Hello everyone and welcome back to AOB. It's the third instalment of season two, can't believe we're this far in already, and so much has happened already and so much to come. In this episode we've got a Q&A special on our huge app launch, but Rob, if anybody has just stumbled across this podcast for the first time and they're going, what app launch? Would you like to kindly inform them of what this wonderful app is going to be and who's it for? Of course, we're launching an app called Portfolio. You can find it at portfolio.co.uk. And the ambition is to allow anyone to become a property investor from their phone in a matter of minutes. So whereas getting into something like buy to let involves tens of thousands of pounds, loads of hands-on effort, developing expertise over a long period of time if you're going to do it well, and then having your entire investment tied up in one asset or a few assets if you're doing really well, What we intend to do with Portfolio is give everyone access to a portfolio of property that is hand-picked, high quality, and give them exposure to the rental income and potential capital growth in exactly the same way as they would do from owning it directly, but without any of the work, while having to put in far less money and ending up having that investment diversified across a larger number of properties. And the key part of it is that it's going to feel like being a property investor. That is what we have really gone heavy on with the technology by including things like video tours and updates and polls and things like that. So from your phone, you get the true experience of being a property investor. It's something that's not been done in this way before, we believe, by anyone. And so it's something that we're really excited about, something lots of other people have been really excited about since we announced it, but also something that's been challenging to get to this point. So there's lots for us to talk about in this episode and and lots of people have kindly sent questions in so shall we get into the first one rob yeah let's do it so the first question is how do you know there will be a demand for portfolio did you do any market research or was it more of a gut feel it was a bit of both uh, <laughs> the gut feel came first absolutely absolutely we felt that this was just one of those obvious things sometimes the best ideas are the the most obvious ideas. It's not that, you know, portfolio, if you think about it, as an idea is pretty simple. It's allowing you to invest in property through your phone. And that's almost crazy that this is going to be the first app that allows you to do that. So I don't think it was that wild of an idea that we needed to have that much validation take place. I mean, we know how many people want to invest in property. We've surveyed the property hub community before to understand you know what holds them back from being an investor and the the top two reasons are either the amount of funds that are required to get started and the second reason is kind of the fear of the unknown and having to do it all themselves so if we can remove the barriers for those people the top two reasons that stop people investing then well it seems like a great idea, right? Now, we did, so we did some surveys. Um, we also spoke to a few investors as well, not many, but a few to, to get their input at early stage and, and understand, you know, how they feel about portfolio. But Rob, <laughs> I think there's a pattern. I, I think we did more than we, we normally do with portfolio to, to test and validate the idea. But we didn't do a lot, but we never have in, in business. Now, I'd say what we've got, the advantage that we've got is we've got the Property Hub community. So from our existing business, we've got a, a large audience who we engage with. 
through lots of different channels. We get loads of feedback from them. We feel like well, this is an audience that we know really well. And as a result, we've got a very good sense of what they want. So whenever we've launched something in the past, it hasn't always been successful. It's not always been successful because of the way we've executed it. But the idea has always been really well received because we know this audience. And we could have probably paid a market research firm a lot of money to go away and do some very fancy PowerPoints and stuff and come back and tell us what we kind of already knew. But we knew. So there was no point. Really, like you said, Rob, it's not an incredibly innovative idea. It's pretty obvious when you know the market. The magic of it is in the execution. Whether this works or not is going to be on how well we actually execute on the vision, not on the idea itself. And I think that's true for a lot of businesses. You do get some businesses that are doing something completely new. It's an absolute game changer. But most are just doing slight variations on what's been done before and you can go and ask people whether they want it and they'll probably say yes to be polite but you don't really know the only way to really know is to get it out there and to do it or to open a waiting list which is what we've done and wowzers <laughs> we've had thousands of people thousands who are waiting to get their hands on the app so great early signs and if you'd like to join the waiting list and invest via portfolio then go to portfolio.co.uk next question how has your team changed and how have you got people to buy into the journey do you want to tackle that rob it's a really good question um because as a founder it's almost your job to see the future and to see opportunity but it's not your team's job to do that for for many parts of your team it's it's their job to specifically not do that because they're meant to be focused on doing the here and now and they're meant to be looking for risks and things that need to be taken care of rather than looking for opportunities so you're almost always going to see things first so it is then a process of getting people to see what you see and getting them to come along with you i think we've done an okay job of this and we've got there and now our team is super excited by this and everyone's absolutely buzzing but i don't know what you think rob but i think we could have done this earlier in the process because we kept this to ourselves for quite a long time and we were finding ourselves dedicating a lot of our focus on our energy and our thought to this when no one else really knew what was going on. One of our failings is that we're not brilliant at communicating our vision to the team. I think we've become more aware of that recently and we've taken a lot of steps to address that and I think I don't want to use it as an, an excuse but I think COVID definitely made it worse because we'd be in the office and we could stop and talk to people and update them and we'd have the group wide together and we'd give updates then and then the whole world kind of went into the, the homes and we just kind of all became insulated and I think maybe all of us to some level became less effective communicators and now we've come out of that thankfully and the lockdowns touch wood have seemed to have ended I think we've noticed that we went backwards and we we now are giving a lot of focus to give as much information as possible and make sure we take the, the team with us. I think change is an interesting word because you can assess change in so many different ways. The team has changed because we've hired new people in to help us execute on the vision. The team has changed as well because we've got to a certain size where as an organisation things do change. So it's quite well documented and then the numbers vary slightly that your teams change from a culture point of view from sort of zero to 10 people 10 to 50 people and then 50 to 200 and then 200 plus and because we've gone through 50 people now 
it, I, I feel the people who joined us at around 10 had to make a decision and, and decide, you know, is this place right for me now? Because it is different that I haven't got maybe the access to the founders that I once had. And it's not because we've, you know, put ourselves in an office in the corner and you know, locked the door, far from it. But it's it's just because there's so many people. You can only spend so much time with the 50 plus people that we have and that grows. Now, some people love this part of the journey and this accelerating part, the scaling part, it excites people. But others who were at the 10 to 50 part of the journey didn't like what they were seeing and it doesn't make them bad people and it doesn't make it a bad business but it just means that they needed to make a decision or we had to help them see that maybe this place isn't right for them now and that's that's okay because you don't want people to be unhappy in their workplace far from it you want them to be happy and motivated and inspired by what you're trying to achieve as a business so there's so many changes in in property hub and now portfolio because of what we're doing and some are really welcome some have been challenging but needed and that's just part of business it's a, a massive cliche but in business the only constant is change okay next question rob have other parts of the business suffered or been neglected don't know what you think i don't think so there's definitely been challenges in other parts of the business because there always are but I don't think they've been caused by the fact that we're trying to do something new because while we've had lots of our attention on portfolio, our focus wasn't needed so much in other areas because, like you said, we've gone through 50 people now. We've got a team who could look after those parts of the business and they've not been starved of cash or resources because we knew that we'd be making a big financial commitment to portfolio and we'd planned for that. But would there have been fewer challenges in other parts of the business if had we not been trying to set up portfolio as well? Would they have grown faster than they have done? You, you can never run the counterfactual, so it's impossible to say. I, I, again, it depends on how you answer this question. Because as an over, I agree with everything you've said, Rob. As an overall business, have we restricted resource to a certain business because of what we're doing? No. Have we restricted our time and our focus and our dedication to parts of the business? Yes, we have. And people within some of those departments may feel like that. Now, we've got other people in place who have stepped up to do what we would have done. And that's kind of that part that we talked about, about scaling up and that you can't be everywhere all the time. But People in those businesses may have used to have us being more hands-on. So they may emotionally feel neglected. From a business point of view, they may not be neglected because they still have somebody to lead that business function. They still have the budget. They still have the resource. But they may feel neglected that we're not there as much in that part of the business and giving as much attention to that part of the business as we once did. So it depends on how you answer it. I completely agree from a business point of view, has any area been neglected? But some people may have found it challenging within those businesses because of the changes. Next question then. How did you write a business plan for portfolio? Can you share your goals? Well, do you want to get your big word doc up? It's, it's, it's a pretty impressive beast. You spend a lot of time on that business plan. <laughs> there is no business plan. And I, I'm not a big fan of business plans. I have done a business plan before. I've done more than one. And when I started out in business, I created a business plan because that's what I felt you had to do. I don't know if it's because we've started so many businesses now that you kind of just know what you need to do and you just get on with it. You, you know that you need the different functions involved. You get those department functions 
you know, aligned and talk about what needs to happen and the project happens and you then get people to lead that project and then off you go. So maybe if we were first timers in business, we'd never done this before, we'd have a business plan. We do have goals, we do have targets and we do have numbers and we will in a future episode, reveal those goals and numbers. I think that should be an an episode in itself, Rob. I think kind of is a missed opportunity for everyone if we just give a couple of numbers now. I think we can really get into our goals and aspirations for portfolio in more detail. But business plans, I think, are useful if you are absolutely brand new to business and you need to kind of break it down step by step. But actually, for anybody who's been in business a while, a business plan is a a wasted exercise, I believe. A little controversial, but that's what I believe. What about you, Rob? I agree. What we have needed occasionally is, we've mentioned before that work, putting this together has involved working with huge numbers of third parties, and often they'll ask for a business plan uh, because they need to understand what it is that we're trying to do. But what I've always done is, rather than have this business plan that we've spent loads of time on and it's really lengthy and everything else i've just asked them well what do you actually need to know and then i've put together a page and a half or two pages tops that just gives them the information they need because i think they're more likely to actually read it and understand it anyway if it's there rather than them having to trawl through a massively lengthy document but it is something to be aware of that business plans are not always just for you there will be other people who need to get a sense of what you're doing without you just kind of sitting there and giving them a big speech for half an hour. But that still doesn't have to take the form of some massively lengthy templated document. It can do. If that's what you want to do for you, then fine. But yeah, like you said, Rob, we didn't see the need and so we didn't do it. Okay, final question here. And this is a good one. This is a really good question. As a business owner, how do you weigh up the risk and reward of making such a big change to a business that isn't broken? Do you want to have a go at that one? Yeah, I really like these questions because you can take it in, in different directions and you may approach this question differently to me. But yes, our businesses weren't broken and, and are not and they're doing fine. They were coming to the maturity stage where the growth um, acceleration slows down because they're kind of just well-run businesses. Now they're not they're not perfect and they can improve, but they they generally work as a business function, and it doesn't need any grand vision or insight to take it further. I think from a a selfish point of view, it, it could be selfish or an ambitious point of view, maybe a better framing, a more positive framing. That that bores me, and for me. I I like to create things. I like to be challenged, to problem solve, and and come up with ideas and 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 make something bigger and drive to the next thing. You know, if you'd asked me, you know, ten years ago, you know, would you be happy with you know a team of fifty plus, you know, more than one business, tried several businesses, you know, sold some, some not worked out, but overall you're still here. You've learned a lot. You're fighting strong. Would I be happy? Absolutely. Am I happy? Yes. But does that mean you should now just accept it and, you know, say we're done? No. What's next? There's always what's next. And even, you know, if we do amazing things for portfolio, there'll be another what's next. It's just the way, you know, I am. And I think most business owners are as well. And so I don't, I just think it's not a case of, 
oh, what? why do it if it's not broken? It's just, a, it's more of, I can't not. I have to do it. So that's my take on it, Rob. But how would you approach this question? Um, I think the reward is... The reward is obvious, and you kind of, you, you talked about that a bit. And a lot of it is the personal reward, the emotional reward, the, the challenge of doing something, the reward of doing something that we believe is going to be really significant. Because that that is that's the reward for me. It's the the businesses that we've got are good businesses. They help the people that they that work with them. But it's not changing. It's not changing the industry. It's not changing the way things are done. It's and it's not going to scale to helping hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people it's just not they're not that type of business and that doesn't make them bad businesses in any way and when i got into this it was never my specific goal to do something that changed the whole industry but now we found ourselves in the position where we believe we can then well it feels like we have to and it'd be stupid not to so there's the reward on the risk side i think what made it easier is like yeah it is a huge risk we're making a massive investment of money and resources and time into this but i believe we're doing this in a way that doesn't jeopardize the existing businesses so so if it doesn't work then okay we've spent a load of money on it and it's a massive disappointment and all the rest of it but Everybody who works on the new business has got paid and they're fine. And everybody who's working in the existing businesses has also continued to be paid and will continue because those businesses can carry on. We haven't like taken out massive loans against the business that would then force it to go under or anything like that. So as a business owner, you there is a responsibility to the people who work for you. And if we were like taking a massive gamble with all of those people's livelihoods and we were like loading up the business with debt or going you know what guys property's over we're going to shut the whole thing down and get into bitcoin mining or something like that and there's a huge gamble that might not pay off and that would negatively affect them then that would be a different thing but i think the 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 business can contain the risks to the extent that we are reinvesting profits into making this happen well then it's us that's taking on the risk because those are profits that we could ultimately have had if otherwise had we wanted to so that's something that i feel pretty comfortable with that's a beautiful thing with that when you're not motivated by money and business and we talked about this in the last episode that you don't feel like you're sacrificing anything if you're not motivated by money so yes we could have taken all those profits out and yes, we could have put it in our back pockets instead. But if it doesn't make you any happier, then what's the point? But if creating things and making things and changing things, you know, motivates you, then you don't care. And, and you know, of course, we, we pay ourselves a, a wage and it's a good wage and I think rightly so. But if you don't need anything more than that and you don't really care about an extra 20, 30, 40, 50%, then it actually empowers you massively. So I think that relates back to a lesson that we talked about in the last episode, that you know money is a poor motivator to get into business. And I think it prohibits you in so many ways. And when you are not motivated by money and just lining your pockets, then you don't feel like this is a risk. It didn't even occur to me, Rob, until you said it, that, oh, we're foregoing money. But I guess we are, but I don't care. Like, because we get paid a great wage anyway and we'll continue to get paid a great wage and that's fine i'd rather build something meaningful and that's going to give us far more enjoyment than just up in our pay packets yeah well luckily i agree so there's no tension there 
Well, look, thank you to everybody who sent questions in. Really great questions and really appreciate it. We may do another of these in future. So we did a Q&A on like general business questions last week. So you can go back and listen to that if you haven't already. So if you've got questions about business in general or what we're doing with portfolio in particular, then do feel free to send questions in still. You can go to aob.show to do that because we may do another Q&A episode in the future. Who knows? But next week, we are going to be talking about seven things you're not told about starting a business. Like we said, we started a few businesses now, and there are plenty of things that we wish we'd known before we'd started. And we're going to be here to tell you those things next week. So do please join us. Make sure you're subscribed, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye.